We're so glad you've joined us. Right now, it's Perry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. Hey, you may be familiar with the name Daniel Gill. He's the 2020 American Ninja Warrior Grand Champion and a seven-time national finalist. He's also a motivational speaker, a worship leader, and a ninja obstacle course race trainer. He and his wife, Abby, live in Houston, Texas, and Daniel joins us live. Thank you so much, Daniel, for getting up early for us. My pleasure, Perry and Shauna. Thank you so much for letting me join you guys this morning. It's going to be a great time. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so you you grew up in a in a Christian family, a Jesus family, and talk about how your faith was was formed growing up in your family. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, gr- growing up here in Houston, Texas, uh, it was always hot for one thing. But with with millions of people here, you know, you kind of feel like you get lost in the in the uh, the the sea, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But I grew up in a big family, five kids, and all of us were were homeschooled. My parents chose to to do a, have a different type of upbringing for us. They wanted to be more intentional. They wanted to be more hands on, and not only that, but they wanted us to be. <laughs> have our life surrounded by the things of God right in the midst of it. So being homeschooled, I mean, we we grew up in and around the things of God. And what's what's funny now is at 30 years old, I'm the only one of my siblings that isn't working full-time in ministry within the walls of the church. Mm. I'm kind of the black sheep of the family doing ministry through other means that God has opened the doors for me, which is wild and awesome. But growing up in that Christian environment, I remember giving my heart to the Lord at a young age, just saying, God, I I, I know I do bad things, oftentimes intentionally. And I'm going to trust that the Bible says that Jesus is who he is, uh, did what he did, and and I'm going to trust him with, with my heart. But it wasn't until my older years around like high school when the, the rubber really kind of met the road and my faith became my own. Mm-hmm. I said, God, I, I know I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. He is where my salvation is. But if I'm going to live the rest of my life on this earth, I'm going to give you all of my life, the, the good, but also the bad and the ugly. Yeah, my hopes and my dreams, but also my fears and my doubts and my insecurities. I'm no longer going to try to live off the faith of my my pastors or my parents. This is going to be my walk with you, Lord. I'm going to go to church, not because it's expected of me, but because I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to have leaders in my life that point me to you. And I want to get in the word of God because I want to know who you are and what you're like. And so my life, the last 15, 16 years, has just been the the culmination of that. It, literally, the life I'm living now is a byproduct of chasing after Jesus with my whole heart to the best of my ability. My story is actually really similar to yours, Daniel, as far as like coming to the place where I realized, oh, it's not a family plan. And I decided if if everybody else in my family didn't follow Jesus, I'm still I'm still all in. What was it for you that made that come alive? Because you, you'd known all about God, but you said it was in those teenage years that that is shifted and you owned it as your own. What caused that to happen for you? Yeah, I, I think a lot of that has to do with just the the natural uh, the, the pressures of life that come during the high school years. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was that that season of my life where I began to have friends that that weren't walking with the Lord, friends that were very secular, and there was the temptation and even the offering to to you know walk a certain way, talk a certain way, act a certain way, do certain things, and and I, my faith was really tested in a sense. I guess as much as your faith can be tested as an early high schooler, <laughs> um, but I, I came to the realization. I said, Lord, if I'm going to try on a certain level of godly or worldliness 
Lord, none of these things are, are fulfilling. None mm-hmm. of these things are bringing me life or hope or joy. I'm just trying to fit in with the crowd. And I don't want to do that. There's, there's not only that, but I, I believe I'm, I have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of me. There's this conviction. There's this, this realization and knowing it's like you, once you have the truth in you, settling for anything less is is so unfulfilling yeah. and so i was like okay lord i'm not going to put up with this i'm going to choose to give you my whole life and i'm going to radically pursue jesus with everything every talent every ability being an athlete being a, a theater performer singer dancer actor uh whether whatever i do in life going into business or anything i'm going to be a christian first a christ follower and then that's where my identity is going to be and everything else is going to follow how are you at making toast because you sound like you can do just about everything how's your toast making (laughs) (laughs) toast and eggs awesome my wife (laughs) anytime she wants either of those two items it's it's on So tell us how you got started in, I mean, as a ninja warrior, as an athlete, like how did this whole thing get started for you? Did you just, did you just always want to be a ninja warrior or how did you end up where you are today? Yeah. Uh, awesome. So, so good, good to be with you guys this morning. And, you know, my, my testimony as a ninja warrior athlete and an OCR athlete at that, like obstacle course racing is, has been so, so exciting and literally a God story. I mean, like you look in the Bible, like, oh, wow, God, you did such amazing things to these men and these women who were just chasing after you, like, and their lives were wild. I look back at my own. I'm like, wow, God, like this, like my, my, his story is really your story. It's his story. And it could have only been written by him. So growing up, I was the monkey kid climbed on everything you could imagine and found an outlet through sports but was never, well, first off, was never very good at any of those sports, had a, had a great mindset, had a, had a very competitive nature, but was, was team sports and traditional sports were never my thing. So as I got older, got into kind of parkour, free running, you know, dad got like a Bowflex home gym. And I was like, I just want to be strong. I want to be physically strong enough to do anything that I, that I can imagine or get the opportunity to do. And then graduated high school and went to a two-year Bible college. And while I was there, I got to travel the world on, on missions, leading worship, you know, preaching the gospel, places like Bulgaria, Japan, Malaysia, Honduras, Rome, Italy. And it just blew my mind. I said, God, I'll follow you anywhere. I'm I'm ruined for normal life and sold out to you. Now, Lord, just give me my orders. You want me to be a pastor, worship leader, missionary? I'm in. And during that time at my tiny Bible school, a friend of mine said, hey, I know I heard you were looking for a new job. Um, I work at a gym. I think you should try it. And I was like, I, n- no, that's that's not what I want to do. I don't even lift weights. I do calisthenics, push-ups, pull-ups, running, climbing, all that stuff. Thanks, but no thanks. And he said, well, wait, wait, wait. Have you, have you ever seen, you know, it's not a normal gym, but have you seen that show Ninja Warrior? And I was like, yeah, I, I love that show. And he said, well, I train at the only gym in Houston, Texas that trains people for that show. Mm-hmm. And I had watched that show for years. and was like, God, I would love to do something like that one day. Like I climb on stuff all the time. I think I'd be pretty good at it. And here I am chasing hard after Jesus mm-hmm. and this random opportunity opened up. And so, but, but it doesn't stop there. I went that same day, met with the owner, tried some obstacles, was very, very quickly humbled at how difficult the obstacles actually were, but I was sold out and I said, Hey, here's my resume. I would love to start working here. Thank you so much. 
And, and he turned me down and said, hey, we, we don't have any spots available right now, but it's it's good to meet you. You know, we'd love to see you get a membership and maybe we'll give you an opportunity uh, later down the line. And I was crushed. I was like, God, I thought I thought this was just lined up on a silver platter for me. Mm-hmm. I thought you were just so, so good that you would just give this to me, but it's not working out. Well, okay, Lord, maybe you just wanted to show me for other reasons. Regardless, as upset as I am, I'm going to choose to trust you, Lord. So I, I thank the man I left. I'm walking out frustrated, I'll, I'll tell you, but trusting the Lord, bringing God into that situation, yeah. you know, acknowledging in all my ways, like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says. And so as I'm leaving, walking to my car, another person run, ran up behind me, grabbed me and said, hey, I heard you talking to my boss about wanting a job here. I haven't told him this yet, but I'm about to move away to another state. And if it's cool with him, you can just have my position and start immediately. Wow. Total God, total God thing. So got a job there, began coaching. And I said, Lord, if this is where you want me, I'm going to use this for ministry. I'm going to be a role model and a, an example to these students. I'm going to train hard and prepare my hands for battle, like the Bible says in Proverbs. And I'm going to trust that you'll continue to guide me. And that was how I got into it. Uh, but it took it then two years of auditioning, trying to get on the TV show, but getting rejected. Two years of that. Two seasons I was rejected before I finally got my shot. Mm. But when I did back in 2015 for season seven, man, God knew what he had set up. I was ready. And I had kingdom bold across my chest for Matthew 6.33 to proclaim like, hey, I'm here for a reason and a purpose. I'm the kingdom ninja. This is what I'm going to do for ministry. Share with us one story that just really jumps out and stands out for you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you again just so much for giving me the opportunity to to, to be with you guys, to, to share to the listeners. Man, there are there have been stories every single round of competition, every single year that I've competed on Ninja Warrior. Almost a decade of my life right. has been invested in this, this area, this sphere of influence where God has planted me as a, as a minister, you know? And it's fun swinging on obstacles, but it's more fun to see the hand of God move in the lives of people that, that were, were not even expecting it. You know, so to to think of like maybe one time in particular, I remember one year I was competing and we were, we were, we'd already gone through the rules. We we knew what the obstacles were going to be because you don't, you don't know until you show up the day of, we never know what courses we're going to get. And just the, the look of panic and fear and dread came over a certain friend of mine. And he was like, you know, I, I feel like I'm going to throw up. I don't, I don't think I can do this. And he was like, Daniel, and this this friend is is not a not a Christian, not a believer yet. And they said, Daniel, like what? Can, can you can you pray for me, please? And I was like, dude, I'd I'd be so honored to. Like, well, let's let's invite the peace of God into this situation. Mm-hmm. I prayed for my friend, and you know, li- literally, I think I think he went on to to hit a buzzer that time. And then later that night, came and was like, Daniel, you'll you'll never guess. Like when you prayed for me, just literally the the, the butterflies kind of kind of ceased the the that that nausea feeling kind of subsided and it was so so cool to get to to minister uh and just to have that moment maybe to me it's like oh yeah i got to got to share the gospel got to pray with a, a friend but to him it's like something he'll never ever mm-hmm. forget and i can't tell you also how many like shoulders and and backs and and knees 
things I've prayed for over the years that we just saw God, you know, bring alleviation, just diminish the pain or d- remove it all together. Like, hey, what'd you do to me? I'm like, hey, it's, it's not me at all. Like, I'm just, I just have seen God move. I believe he's the same yesterday, today and forever. And when, when we give him opportunities, he, he loves to move. And there's so many different experiences like that where just God, you know, showed up and, and showed off his goodness. Yeah. Yeah, he's given you a platform through, you know, your role with Ninja Warrior to to speak to audiences and to have a, a wide influence. But we had a I have one of our listeners on the show last week and he was telling us a story and he's an exterminator and he said, Man, I just share Jesus everywhere I go. He says, I'm an exterminator. I'm a missionary, cleverly disguised as an exterminator. And I believe with all my heart that you are a missionary cleverly disguised as a ninja warrior. God is so good and creative that he would place you exactly where he's placed you in this moment in time. And I know there've been a lot of times when, you know, you could give glory to God because of your success. What does it look like for you to give glory to God in those moments? Because I'm sure not every, we want our trajectory to always be up and, you know, better, 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 better. But in the moments when, I mean, I know there was one moment in particular, sorry for bringing this up, Daniel, but I know there was a moment when you missed a million dollars by three seconds. Oh my gosh. Okay. So how does God get glory in those moments in your life? Yeah. Oh man. And there've been... There have been so many, so many moments, especially as an athlete, like you, you, you compete to win, you, you train hard, you do your very best. But then for me, I, I, I always leave the results up to the Lord and I say, God, here I am about to run a course. And every time I step up to the starting line, I lift my hands and I say, God, thank you for an opportunity to get to do what I love and not just that, but an opportunity to get to, to shine for others, to point them to you, to let my light so shine before them. They, they look at me and they, they see you God and my smile and the way that I act or, or interact with the, the world around me. If I hit a buzzer, God, I'm lifting my hands up and giving you the glory and the praise. But if I fall or fail, God, give me the grace to get back up and show people what that looks like. And in particular, about, you know, in 2019, I made it all the way to the last round, stage four, that rope climb, Mount Majoriama. You got to climb like 80 feet of rope in 30 seconds or less. And I remember holding on to that rope. Circumstances were not ideal. I was tired. I was exhausted. And yet I had one more opportunity, one more course. And I prayed and I said, God, I, you know, it, I know what the Bible says. You could give me the strength of Samson to, to overpower this rope, to climb it. God, you could give me the speed like you gave Elijah when he outran the king's chariots to give that message to Israel. God, the Bible talks in Hebrews about angels there to minister to those who inherit salvation. Lord, I've seen the movie Angels in the Outfield. You could have an angel push or pull me up this rope if you need me to win. Yeah. I said, but whatever happens, God, I'm going to trust you. And then I lost and I was devastated. And I was like, well, Lord, that wasn't the plan. What do I do with that? How does that minister and encourage those that are watching? They see a strong, outspoken Christian lose. What is, how, how does that, how does that give you glory? And it was during that, that season, that still small voice where he came to me and said, Daniel, it's not always about w- winning. Anybody can win and, and lift hands up and give God glory. He mm-hmm. said, people do it all the time and they're not even walking with me. Mm-hmm. What he taught me was, he said, you know, sometimes it, it ministers to people even more when they see someone lose, not that God made me lose, but he said, I can still use that for good. I can still work that together for good, like Romans eight twenty eight says. And so, I, you know, I said, okay, Lord, then I'll, I'll tell people like, this wasn't the plan. This wasn't the prayer. But Lord, if you got me here once, 
I'll do my part and I'll believe that you'll bring me here again. That's what I'm going to preach from this. That's what I'm going to share. And that very next year in 2020 was when I came back and I won that expedited season. Wasn't a million dollar grand prize, but it was still amazing and still such an incredible testimony to say, yeah, we don't always win as believers. Any believer will tell you that. Jesus said, what is it, John 16, 33, you will have troubles, trials, tribulations, but to take heart because he's overcome greater is he that's in us. So I said, Lord, I don't care what the outcomes are. I'm always going to do my best and, and strive for victory. But Lord, I understand now that you can use any situation and use that to minister to others, to point people to you. So I do that as an athlete. There's so much as we're having this conversation, Daniel, there's so much that's transferable lessons that you've learned as a ninja warrior that we can take with us into life. And I want to read just a a short little excerpt from one of your books and talk about how how it's impacted you as a ninja warrior, but also what it can mean for us as we're living out life. So you said this, Daniel, you said, I've given a few people full access to my life. One of my most crucial mental health habits is to have open and full transparent conversations with these loved ones. Tell me more about that. Yeah. I mean, gosh, you know, we live in a world that, that kind of glorifies, you know, uh, the lone wolf or the lone ranger, you know, these types of action movies where it's one person against the world, but that was never how God intended us to, to live. He, he intended us to live in community first and foremost with him, but then too, with, with the world around us, the people that we're on this planet with. And so for me, all the, the struggles, the issues, the things that I've gone through in my life, the times that I've tried to fix that myself never worked out. And by the grace of God, I've got incredible mentors, leaders, my my beautiful wife, my my parents still being involved in my my life. They have access to me. They know Daniel, Daniel's good, but also my bad and my ugly, the, the my areas of strengths, but also my weaknesses. And they keep me accountable. And I openly give them free access to say, hey guys, I don't want just another yes man in my life. Mm-hmm. I want you to to challenge me. I want you to help me strive for the goals and the plans that I believe that God has for me in my life. And I do the same for you guys. So I think it's crucial that we have that as believers, because if not, we literally cut ourselves off at the knees and stop God from being able to grow us even just mentally that those mindsets and habits. So, yeah, it's one thing to give somebody access to that. It's another thing for them to step into it. Have you had anybody, have you had anybody push back on you a little bit? Yes, I mean, definitely, definitely. Again, it's just by prayer, finding people that I can trust, people that I'm not just, you know, biblically casting my pearls before swine and then everybody knows my business because they gossip. No, no, no. It's finding the people that God has that have no other agenda than to help you, to, to, to be there for you. And I have people like that in my life and I'm grateful. And Daniel, you're, you, you know, you face great obstacles in your life, not only, you know, on the American Ninja Warrior you know, competing, but also personally. And somebody listening right now is facing a great challenge. It could be a diagnosis they've just gotten or maybe maybe a spouse has left. What can you say to that person who's facing such an incredible obstacle that it, it would take a miracle to remove it? 
Yeah. I mean, at this point, I feel like most most listeners understand that we live in a broken, fallen world where bad things happen, whether that's by our own free will or someone else's free will negatively affecting us, or sometimes just like natural disasters. Things happen. I think the greatest thing that we could ever do and some of the greatest words of love we could ever tell our Father God is, I trust you. You know, this side of heaven is the only time that we even will get an opportunity to say, I trust you in the midst of this yeah. uncertainty. And I think, you know, the, the more often we do that, even just waking up and saying, God, I'm on the wrong, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed, but please come into this. Please, you know, bring good out of this. I trust you gives him such an opportunity to, to move and move quickly. And regardless of whatever obstacles that you're facing, whether they're physical or emotional or mental or even spiritual obstacles, you know, the, the sooner we bring God into him, invite him into it, the faster and more easily we get through them. He begins to shift even our focus, give us the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, all of these things. And there's no greater decision than to, to bring God into whatever obstacles we're facing. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, I have been sitting with this scripture for like a month now and just letting the Lord speak to me through his word, through his word, speak his words to me through his word. And it's this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And this is one of those passages that Eugene Peterson just did a beautiful work with, such a gifted writer, but he wrote a paraphrase and it's called The Message. And this is, this is how he worded it in The Message. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I love the verbiage. I love this verbiage, unforced rhythms of grace. Like I just want to live in that space. You know, and he says the invitation is to keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So what does that look like? What does that mean? You know, for me, I think the keep company with me is just my ongoing desire and pursuit to be aware of the presence of God all the time. And the more I seek to be more aware of the presence of God, I feel like the more I'm aware of the times I just miss it. He's right there with me and I just miss it. I was at a wedding over the weekend, got there early, was sitting by myself, had read through the program front and back, kind of taken in the room and just really appreciated all the decor and all the beautiful people and the conversations. And and then it, there was still some time before the wedding was going to start and I was feeling kind of lonely. And I thought, yeah, it's not appropriate to pull out my phone right now. That would kill some time. But just when I started to really feel alone and feel, honestly, just sad about being there by myself. Because my husband was officiating the wedding. And so he was there, but not with me. So I started to feel really lonely. It was right at that moment when the Holy Spirit just so gently just said, you're not alone. And I was like, oh, you're right. I'm so sorry. All this time I could have been enjoying your company. And, and I, and then I did start to enjoy his company. I'm like, Lord, did you see that, that green spray over the arch at the front? I mean, that's so beautiful. You know what I mean? Just started enjoying him and talking with him and bringing him into the, what I was experiencing. And the amazing thing is that, that God does that kind of thing, that he did that for you, Yeah. that he gave you exactly what you need, needed when you needed it. Yeah. And it wasn't like, it wasn't a guilt trip. 
it wasn't a guilt trip at all. No. It was, hey, I see you. I'm with you. Yeah. And I love spending time with him that, that way. One of my favorite ways to spend time with the Lord is just to linger with him. Um, in particular, on Saturday mornings, it's like there's no time, you know, constraint. Like there's no, oh, and now I have to do this. So I tend to to spend time with him in, in a lingering kind of way where I might be reading something and it made me think of another scripture. And so I hop on over to that and that makes me think of this devotional. And then I pull that out and I read that devotional and that leads me to another passage. And then I pray and then I journal, you know, and it's just hanging out together. Whatever happens, happens. There's no plan agenda. It's just enjoying each other's company. I love lingering with him like that. That right there is living the dream for me. I know, right? Just to have that that space. Yeah. I, lo- I, I love to pick up my guitar and just audience of one. I wish I had it. I wish I could pick up my guitar in those moments and do something beautiful. <laughs> well, you can sing. I can sing. I can sing. But, you know, the invitation is to keep company with him. But also he says, keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So there's a part of acknowledging the presence of God and enjoying his company that brings about a freedom that lifts the weight of life off of our shoulders and allows us to be able to breathe and just live. You know, I do this, um, this daily devotional called Lectio 365. It's an audio devotional app and they have morning prayers and evening prayers. And Part of the evening prayers, there's there's a piece of confession. And for me, that's a part of keeping company with God and learning to live freely and lightly is being honest with him about my my relationship with him and the places where I failed him. And then making a plan to not repeat that. Like, I'm so sorry that that hurt your heart and being specific about it and then saying, I don't want to do that again tomorrow. And so I do, I feel like a part of learning to live freely and lightly is confession. But I think another part too is Trusting God so much that when the circumstances that are going on in your world feel heavy and you feel like you know, you've got to do something to fix it, that we remember that he's God and we're not, and we literally trust him with it. We had a ministry situation last week. We were made aware of a, a situation that was just not good, a woman who was in a dangerous situation, and I so wanted to help her. There was a part of me that felt a little bit angsty about it, you know, like— I really want to make sure that she's safe and I really want to make sure, you know, and, and I did do all the things that I could do. I reached out to people nearby and provided resources for her. I did what I could do, but when I had done all I could, I still felt that angstiness and I needed to just say, God, I can't do this. I can't fix this, but I know that you're aware of the situation and I know that you're working and I trust you. I, we have a, we have a, person in our family who who suffers so much and you know i have had to learn this through the years and there's such a fine line between being a helper and loving in the way that god would have us to love a fine line between that and being trying to be the savior mm-hmm. and i don't i haven't figured it out but it's it it's a good conversation what is the line between just being a helper doing what god leads you to do and being the savior, I think. I think the when you start feeling really anxious, and another person is freaking out, and you suddenly feel like you got to freak out because mm-hmm. it's all on you, that probably tells you, at least tells me that I'm trying to be the savior here, and I'm just I'm learning. You know, I'm in I'm in the growth mode of learning this. Yeah, 
And as we, I think the invitation of Jesus here is as we learn to keep company with him, that we'll learn he's God and we're not, and he's the Savior and we're not, and we can trust him with the stuff. We don't have to take responsibility for saving the world, but we can trust him. I love that I'm not the Savior. Right? I just want to say that. It's so good to not have to be that. Yeah. And this whole learning to live freely and lightly, it's not a one and done. It's a learning. So we get to learn a little bit more today and then maybe even just a little bit more tomorrow. But let's embrace this way of living that Jesus is inviting us into. If you're tired, if you're worn out, if you're burned out on religion, come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Back in 2004, I found myself at the top of Mauna Kea on the big island of Hawaii, trembling with some fear because of the presence. I was sensing the awesomeness and otherness of God, Mm. and it made me feel like running away like I didn't belong there. Who can stand before such an awesome God? Psalm 24, 3 and 4. Who has the right to climb the mountain of the Lord? Who can stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. Who can stand? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure. How pure? Does God grade on a curve? Is there like a purity level that I need and then I can stand? Or does God grade on an absolute? Who can stand? Only those who do not worship idols. Have you ever found your meaning, purpose, and identity from something or someone other than God? I have. I have idols right now in my life. That's why I confess my sins every single day. Who can stand? Those who never tell lies. Never? Yep, it says never. There seems to be this standard of absolute flawless perfection for anyone who would presume to stand before the living God. A mighty angel asks the same question in Revelation 5. Who is worthy to break the seals on this scroll and open it? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. Then John, who saw this vision, says, I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll. In other words, there's no one who can finally and fully set everything right. We're doomed. That's what he was weeping about. But one of the 24 elders, thank God for that guy or girl, (laughs) (laughs) said to me, stop weeping. Mm. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Oh, Mm -hmm. the heir to David's throne has won the victory, has triumphed. He is worthy. Who can stand? Jesus. Who has the right to climb the holy mountain? Who is worthy? Jesus. And because of Jesus, what? We can stand. That's right. 
That's we, right. Because of Jesus, because of what Jesus did for us, you and I get to stand in all the places that we are not worthy to stand because we're not worthy on our own. We're only worthy because the blood of Christ was shed for you and me. Have you ever felt unworthy? Oh my goodness. To be in God's presence? Yes. Yes. You know, somebody listening right now, just they always feel unworthy when they come into God's presence. What can you say to them? Cling to Jesus. Receive what Jesus did for you. Believe it. Mm. Believe it. And then rest in it. It's done. It's yeah. done. There's nothing more for you and I to do. And I find I have to keep coming back to that and reminding myself that the only reason I can stand is because of Jesus. But it's, a, but it's an amazing it's a powerful reason. We can come boldly before the throne of grace, it says. Hebrews 10, 19 to 22. Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. So come into his presence. Jesus has made the way. We are so grateful that we have the word of God to give us instructions on how to live the abundant life. That's God's desire for you. He doesn't want you to live some sad, sulky life. He wants you to live the abundant life and to experience it. And he gives us all kinds of instructions in his word on how to get there. So I want to take a look at Romans 15, 5. It says, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God's this, word is so good. It is. It's so good. And here's the thing. We need this word because doing life with each other is hard. Have you heard this story? I think I got this in an email at some point. But anyway, it's, you know, somebody's praying and and they're like, Lord, thank you so much for being with me today. Like, it's been an amazing day. I haven't sinned against anyone. I haven't even had an evil thought, like I'm just killing it today and, and everything's going great, but I'm about to get out of bed and I'm going to need your help. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's real life, isn't it? It's funny, but it's true because as long as we don't have to encounter other people, we, we can do pretty well. Mm -hmm. Truth bomb. People are kind of hard to love. People can be wonderful. They can be really, really good, but they can also be challenging. Yes, so I can. <laughs> as can I. So here's the good news. God gives us endurance. He gives us tolerance for each other. He helps us to bear with each other. He gives us patience and and acceptance and stamina when it's really hard and you got to stay in it. Sometimes you need to stay in it. Have you ever prayed the prayer like, God, just help me to stay present. Help me to keep showing up. Help me to not give in. Mm. No. No? No. Oh, I pray that prayer all the time. I don't, I don't No. I think it's because of my tendency to want to turtle. Okay. So when the circumstances are hard, I, you know, there's fight or flight, I want out. Okay, the prayer for me is, Lord, help me not to tackle the person across from me. Yeah. And the <laughs> prayer for me is, God, help me to stay present in this hard moment because I want to be anywhere 
but here I'd rather be getting a root canal currently. Lord, help, help me, me to, to be, stay here. Lord, help me to be gentle. Yeah. Yeah. That instead makes of, sense. Instead of, you know, combative. Yeah. Help me to persevere. Right. But God gives us the encouragement that we need for the relationships. He gives us the ability to, to actually defer to one another. I think we live in such a me first world. And I've been really practicing this very specifically in my driving. I've been practicing you before me. Mm-hmm. And I, and just by being intentional about wanting to drive that way, I realize how often I'm like, eh, I can make it. <laughs> you know, and I want to just like go instead of you before me, like having that mentality. And that's how God wants us to live. I need to drive next to you to hold you accountable. Yeah, you would be happy to drive next to me because if I'm doing well, I would right. let you go before me yeah. and that would work out for both of us. <laughs> but not only does God give us what we need to endure and to keep going, he gives us encouragement according to this verse. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement. So he gives us the encouragement we need. He's cheering us on. He's our inspiration. He's our motivation. And lastly, he gives us the attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. How would you describe the attitude that Jesus had towards other people in his life? I'd say humble, compassionate, loving, <laughs> respectful, that kind of stuff. Yeah, all that stuff. <laughs> he was invitational. Like he didn't like push anybody out of the circle. Everybody was invited. Everyone could be a part of what he was doing. He was very welcoming. Mm-hmm. And I think that if we had a chance to to meet face to face with Jesus right now, what he would do, he he would call out the good things in us that he's mm-hmm. doing. He would just, he would just be so empowering. He would say, he would just sing over us. Yeah. He, he would say the things that we don't even know about ourselves where we're, ma- we think we're not making progress. And I think he would show us that, yeah, you're not there yet, but look at this, 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 and this. So, you know, I want that minute with Jesus today. There you go. We talked about this yesterday. Would you rather have $10 billion or one minute with Jesus? And if he's going to call out in me who yeah. I am, I'm going to take that minute, 100%. Yeah. So lastly, you know, this, this attitude towards Jesus, the same attitude that Jesus had towards others is the attitude that we're supposed to have towards one another. And so that challenges me. Like, am I living humble? Am I living compassionate and loving and respectful and invitational and all the things. Here's what I love about this verse. There's a so that. I love so that's. I always want to know the why mm-hmm. behind it, right? So here's the verse. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had so that, here it comes, with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's it right there. The point of the encouragement, the point of the endurance, the point of taking on the attitude of Christ as we live out our lives is so that God is glorified. And we do it together. Yeah. Because we're learning how to live with each other and love one another. And then so we're we're on the same page and together we can glorify God. That's why I love worshiping with God's people through music on a Sunday. I just love it because the spirit unites us and we're glorifying God together. And our unity, yeah, I mean, that's exactly what you're saying. Like, our unity glorifies God. That's what this verse says. So I know we live in this world of individualism, individualism. I'll say that again, individualism. There you go. But God wants us to be unified because when we, in this individualism, we glorify ourselves. 
But when we are humble towards one another and accepting towards one another, our unity actually glorifies God. So let's live into this today. This is God's word for you and me today. Romans 15, 5. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude and mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I was getting my hair cut on Wednesday, and a big shout out to Kara for helping this guy look somewhat presentable. <laughs> you got to look presentable to get through the front door at this place, I'll tell you that. Anyway, I noticed some tattooed writing on her arm, and I couldn't read it, so I asked. And it's something like, above the sky, I mm. think that's it. Mm -hmm. She said that she wanted to have something about heaven on her arm. But she didn't want to have it sound too cliche-ish. Plus, it's a way for people to ask her what it is and then maybe lead to a faith conversation. But she also said that she didn't want to put a overtly Christian tattoo on her arm, not because she's ashamed of the gospel, but because she doesn't want to come off as, hey, I'm better than you. And I, I never thought of a, a Christian tattoo in that way, that it mm. might be perceived in that way. So, but on one hand, I can see how somebody might look at a Jesus tattoo and think, well, that person must think they're better than me. But on the other hand, it makes me sad because if the gospel is really doing its deep work in my heart, people shouldn't catch one bit of self-righteousness in me. Even if I had a big old Jesus tattoo on my arm or my forehead, they sh still shouldn't catch any self-righteousness in me. And that's because of what the gospel should be doing in my heart. The gospel keeps showing me that I am that sinful that Jesus chose to cross all worlds to come and die on a brutal cross for me. When I think of how I thrust the spear in Jesus' side, that humbles me to think that it was my sins and the sins of all humankind, but I took part in that. Mm -hmm. You know, I thrust the spear in his side, and I, I drove the nails through his hands and feet. That humbles me. Mm -hmm. But then the gospel keeps showing me that I am that loved, loved so much that Jesus crossed all worlds to die on a Roman cross for me. And that exalts me because even though he knows the depth of my sin, his love is even deeper. His love is not conditioned on me. Right. His love comes from just this, we can't even imagine, a person who is love mm -hmm. doesn't just love. That's not something they just do. God is love, Right. the scripture tells us. Yeah, I think one of the, one of the hardest um, truths to wrap our mind around when it comes to the way that God loves us is the scripture that says, wow, we were still sinners. Mm -hmm. Christ died for us. Yeah. So not like, even though we have sinned, Christ loved us while in the midst yeah. of our darkest yeah, Christ and, died for us. And I think sometimes we can get this sense of, well, I'm, I'm chosen. I'm special. I'm, um, I'm a gift. I'm a gift to God. You know, mm -hmm. God, you're so lucky to have chosen me. <laughs> and That's scary. You know, we are special and we are loved, but if there's pride in our hearts thinking that it's it's something so great in us that God saw that and said, well, I'm going to pick that person because that 
that person, that Perry, he's a winner. I'm picking him. That's not, that's not God (laughs) at all. Right. You know, so, and I think that's sometimes why we have pride because we think that God, well, sometimes why I have pride. I think that he chose me because I'm so special. You know, what's so sad about that mentality of like, oh God, you're so lucky to have me is that our capacity ends with our ability if that's where we're at, if that's our way of thinking. But if our way of thinking is, yeah, I'm chosen. Yeah, I'm loved. Yeah, I'm special because of who God is and what he can do in me. And I'm fully surrendered. I got nothing, mm-hmm. but I'm fully surrendered. And as a fully surrendered vessel, I can be a conduit of the power and the love of God mm-hmm. as I walk through, you know, as I walk on this earth and on this dust, you know? Yeah. And that means our capacity is is far beyond what we can even think or imagine. Yeah, it all comes from him. You know, he he is just so radically in love with us, and it has nothing to do with other than the fact that he created us in his image. That's how special we are to him, and that he sent his son to die for us and redeem us. That all comes from his side, and he sees what we, we can become. So... The gospel is meant to keep producing in me and you a humble confidence, a meek winsomeness that doesn't repel people, but attracts them to the Jesus in us. So if you, like me, struggle with sometimes thinking you're better than somebody else, the only remedy is to come back to the gospel. And I love what Tim Keller says. You are more sinful than you could ever dare imagine, and you are more loved and accepted than you could ever dare hope at the same time. Thanks for listening to Perry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.